so welcome. Welcome to Seattle Mennonite Church. It's good to be gathered as the church in this way this morning. We are, we're grateful for this opportunity to be gathered. This is the, the seventh Sunday of the Easter season. Next Sunday is Pentecost. And for this Sunday, we're still hanging out with the early church in Corinth, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And still, we're like they are, figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus in a future that's unknown and unstable. Uh, that's something that's very familiar to us. Regardless of where we are, across the city, across the state, or across the country even, we are gathered on the lands of first peoples of this continent. And here in Seattle, that means we're on the lands of the Duwamish tribe. Uh, and they are, of course, still alive and active and thriving in this city. And uh, if you live somewhere else that is not here, I encourage you to find out who the first peoples of your land are in your region. We're going to begin our worship with Michael singing one that I think is familiar, but the words will be on your screen. We're singing together, You Are Salt for the Earth, and Michael is going to lead us in that. You are the salt of the earth, oh people, salt for the kingdom of God. Share the flavor of life, oh people, life in the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of mercy, bring forth the kingdom of peace, bring forth the kingdom of justice, bring forth the city of God. You are light on the hill, O oh people, light for the city of God. Shine so holy and bright, O oh people, shine for the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of mercy, bring forth the kingdom of peace. Bring forth the kingdom of justice. Bring forth the city of God. You are seed of the word, O oh people. Bring forth the kingdom of God. Seeds of mercy and seeds of justice grow in the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of mercy. Bring forth the kingdom of peace. Bring forth the kingdom of justice. Bring forth the city of God. We are blessed and a pilgrim people bound for the kingdom of God. Love our journey and love our homeland. Love for the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of mercy. Bring forth the kingdom of peace. Bring forth the kingdom of justice. Bring forth the city of God. For our call to worship this morning, <clears throat> I invite you to respond with the words, Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. Jesus said, 
You will receive power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth. Alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit. May we worship our creator through the power of the risen Christ, knowing that the Spirit draws us together. Alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit. We light our peace candle each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. This week, we pray with Weldon and the Christian peacemaker teams for an end to bombing in Iraqi Kurdistan by Turkey and by Iraq, by Iran. That has been devastating civilian villages, even though the countries who are doing it deny everything. We pray, too, for a diplomatic solution to this violence. And together we pray. We long for peace. We pray for peace. We choose to live for peace. Peace be with you, and also with you. I love that moment where I see all of the screens on my, or see all of the, the boxes on my screen, and you're all doing those actions, offering peace to each other. It is one of my favorite moments in worship together with you. Um, for a treat this morning because this is we didn't want this to be the Amy show with Megan away from us. Melissa is going to be doing the children's time this morning and I am very much looking forward to joining her in that. All right. Well, we'll see how this works. Um, you might want to pin my video. Uh, yeah, just so you can see the pictures, because there will be pictures. So I'm going to introduce, and try to get out of the way here. This is my, whoops, get way to the side here. This is my buddy. We'll call him Mr. C. These are old pictures of him. He's uh, a year and a half older than this picture, for sure. Um, but he's one of my best buddies. Now, I have been taking care of him since he was about four months old. So I got to be with him through learning to eat all kinds of new food. This was often his reaction to new food. This picture, he's just being silly, but I got that face a whole lot, depending on what new food I was trying to introduce. So we spent a lot of time entertaining ourselves with food instead of actually eating it and even with things like mac and cheese i mean mac and cheese is great he looked at it like it was the nastiest thing on earth and now that i look at it up really close i can see why you might be suspicious of something like mac and cheese no matter how much the person who loves you was telling you this is amazing stuff and you are going to want to eat it every day for the next 18 years um, he didn't believe me at first. It took a while on mac and cheese. Oh, this face, this mouth here, sorry, the, 
the virtual background isn't getting the entire pictures in, but yes, that would be the look that I often got. This is early on learning about carrots, which I would have to say right now, he eats generally two out of three meals a day. He'll have carrots now, but this was what he thought about carrots back then. Started to warm up to them, getting happier. Eventually decided carrots were something to celebrate. Now, he wasn't just concerned about new foods. In fact, new strange foods were got about the same reaction as new toys that looked scary. This was his first sighting of bubbles. He was not sure about bubbles. Took, this, is, this is his second sighting. He's still really not clear, even at that point, that bubbles were not dangerous. Um, no matter what I said, right? It took two or three times before he finally decided bubbles are amazing, which now they're a huge hit. We do bubbles many, many times a day if it's a really boring day. Um, I was not even the first person that took him to a pool, but I was the first person who took him to this pool. And as you might guess, he was pretty skeptical that this was a place that was okay. It's loud. It's fun. It's amazing. And I just kept telling him that and I held him and took him into the water with me until he finally decided, oh, yeah, swimming is okay. And in fact, that is me catching him from throwing him about three feet up or in the middle of throwing him about three feet up because his favorite thing became within not many visits, three or four visits, for me to throw him way over my head, let him fall into the water, and then I would pick him back up in the water. Everybody's worried about stuff they don't know, not just Mr. C. Um, if we don't know so what's going to happen, if we don't know what a thing is, if we're expected to eat it and it looks really disgusting, we get worried and scared about it. And in our reading today in the Bible, one of the things that almost everybody gets worried and scared about is death. And the reading that we're going to hear is kind of a lot of Bible talk that's basically saying we don't need to worry about death. God's got death. God will figure that one out. He has us. He loves us. We can learn to deal with our worry and try new foods that look disgusting or wear them, depending. But in terms of death, we just need to go on worrying about our work. And Jesus told us what our work is. Our work is to love God, to love ourselves, and to love our neighbors. And God's got death. Thanks for the time. We're going to sing uh, Halle, Halle, Hallelujah, which is our a theme song for the month, or I guess month, is it? For the season, yeah. For the season, okay, there we go. Halle, Halle, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Okay, I'm, uh, I was asked to read the scripture. It is, I'm Ruth Ediger. It is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 26, 51 through 57. So here we go. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the trumpet will sound and the, dead, uh, and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this imperishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I think Ruth was the right choice for reading this passage. <laughs> uh, when I read texts like this one from 1 Corinthians, I am reminded why I don't usually turn immediately to the epistles uh, for my own spiritual edification. And let me tell you, I cut out like 20 verses at the beginning of our assigned reading because it was this litany as Paul is known to, I think it was Ruth who said to me, Paul, king of the run-on sentences. Yes, I cut out a lot of this because it was a, this series of like, if this, then this, if this, then this, if this, then this, it's why I usually stick with Jesus and stick with the Gospels because I would much rather ask myself, what would Jesus do than what would Paul say? Because he has a lot to say. The fact is, though, 
and I think we've talked about this before as it as we've uh, had some of these the early church only had some oral oral recounts of of stories of Jesus and a few stories like Paul himself talking about how the risen Christ had appeared to him. So the risen Christ appearing to Paul in that vision or to some of the early disciples. So that's why Paul is going on and on. He's trying to figure out for himself and for the people he loves, how do we follow Jesus? What does that mean? And in this passage, he's trying to answer for himself and for his church the questions that we're all still asking. Why do these bodies of ours suffer? What do we do with the chaos around us? And how do we deal with death? Since walking is all that we have to do these days, Ori and I go on a lot of walks with each other near our house. And uh, the other day, Ori asked me when we were walking, can we go see the, the dead bird? Uh, and I was a little surprised, but not too much because dead things are fascinating. And we have not only seen a dead bird, but we've seen dead mice and we saw a dead mole, which was kind of interesting. So we returned to the scene of the dead robin that we had seen a few days before and how, saw how its body had changed. Death is real. Death is a real part of living in this world. And for many of us, for many of you, death isn't just a bird on the side of the road. It's beloved family. It's people close to us. It's painful and it's fearful. And for all of us right now, it's in the statistics we see every day. It's in rising numbers. And it's, it's filled with anxiety. Uh, and the questions were the same for Paul and the Corinthians who were also experiencing fear and anxiety and wondering what God would do with death. And Paul's understanding of that, his lens is the lens of Jesus. He takes the problem of death and he remembers his experience with a Jesus who is resurrected in body, who appeared to him and so many in bodily form to the disciples in the room with the wounds in his hands. And Paul takes that and he applies it to this problem as he understands it. And as I was reading Paul's words over and over this week and trying to figure them out and listening to people talk about them, at first I was, I was thinking, well, Paul's trying to deny death. He's trying to say death doesn't exist. And, uh, He's asking rhetorically, as Ruth did so wonderfully, death, where is your sting? And proclaiming victory of, of resurrection, death swallowed up by life. And that is what is hard for me to swallow. These verses, though, in 1 Corinthians 15, are they're like a boiling down of Paul's theology. God cares enough about the stuff of creation, the earth and the plants and the water, and our bodies, the flesh. God cares enough about the stuff of creation that God became a part of it in a human body that suffered, that died, and that lived again. That is important to Paul. We've all heard about the dad bod. 
and maybe some of us are a little concerned about the bods that are we're uh, getting achieving during quarantine. Jesus had a God bod. In fact, all of us have God bods. Catherine Schipperdecker, who's a Lutheran pastor and a theologian and, and professor, she tells her, her students, matter matters to God. Matter matters to God. Our bodies and the stuff of this earth is important. Matter, the matter of the earth is important to God who is our creator. And bodies matter so much to Paul that it is essential to Paul's theology that our bodies don't just disintegrate and disappear into the earth or become the stuff of the universe. That they don't, like the mole or the robin, return to the earth. Paul believes that our bodies are important and beloved by God and that we're not two halves, that body and soul, that just easily come apart. That in fact, both body and soul are important to God, body and spirit. So in death, Paul believes, our bodies will be transformed and remain whole in God's presence. Now, of course, we have zero proof of what happens to our bodies after death. I expect that in our congregation, among many of you, we believe many different things about what happens to our spirits and our bodies, either both now and in the time to come, just like the Corinthians did, believe different things, which is why Paul wants to unify them in believing in the resurrected Jesus. But we do all have bodies, and we love people and creatures who are embodied beings, and if we do believe in a creator God who was intimately involved in piecing together the cells of leaves and atoms and microbes and fur and feather, feathers and our own selves are, and spirits, then we, we are matter that matters to God. We have and we are God gods. And I believe that means that where we put our bodies and how we treat our bodies, what we do with our bodies, and of course, how we treat the bodies of other beings, of others of God's creation. That matters to God too. And what, what this, this comes back in a way to my original question of what would Jesus do? Where would Jesus put his body? How would Jesus understand and treat the bodies of others? from the first moment when Jesus came into the world like a tiny infant, like baby Jedediah, who we long to see on our screens every week. Jesus was that. He was a tiny body, which, which we as humans know what that feels like and how to care for a little one like that. And we know what it means to have a teenaged body, just as Jesus did when he put himself, his body into the temple and nurtured his spirit and his intellect. We know what it means to be in community and discern over scripture together as Jesus did. And then we have the long example of Jesus putting his body in relationship to other people, healing others' bodies, feeding bodies and spirits. And we follow Jesus in that example with our own bodies, in our relationships, in the way we care for the many folks whose bodies and spirits need care and nurture. And of course, finally, Jesus placed his body in a position 
to be violently and politically killed. And finally, finally, Jesus' body was resurrected. I do not know what will happen to my body and spirit, either after death or in that time to come that Paul talks about. Perhaps I will be transformed, these cells of my very body. I do know, however, where my body is now. It is, well, it's in this office, but it's also on the path with my son, examining bodies of God's creatures, both the ones disintegrating into the soil and the ones hopping into the trees and flying through the sky. It's with my dear ones in my home. It's being broadcast through uh, the mystery of science to be beheld by your bodies in the places where you are, for which I am grateful. Our bodies, our bodies are beloved. May we love them and may we love the bodies of all of God's creatures. Amen. May it be so. Good morning. Grateful to be with you this morning, offering my beautiful orchid as a visual today. I've been enjoying this orchid all season. A couple of years ago, you might remember during our um, season of Lent and Easter, we did have an orchid up front and I was a beneficiary of that, those orchids that were up front, except they didn't bloom for a long time. So it took a lot of patience before they came to life uh, and a grow light helped that happen. Let us breathe in the beauty of this season. Let us breathe in the beauty of this community. Thanks be to God for the life that is around us. During this time of prayer, I'd invite you to use the chat box to share any prayers that you might have, and I will include them in my prayers today. I invite you to take in a breath. <sighs> take in another breath. Let it out with a sigh. <sighs> God who dwells in the balance of our terror and our awe. We come expecting what is knowable, tangible, and are met with an empty uncertainty. We trust you to send your spirit to inhabit the space before us and between us so that as we raise our prayers in faith, they will be met by the love of a risen Christ. Today we pray with Jonathan Morris Winters for his family and parents in Midland County, Michigan, where flooding has been catastrophic and a dam failed this week. 
We pray for safety and for health, as Michigan has also been hit hard by COVID and evacuations and mass shelters will likely contribute to the spread. May your care and your wisdom be with the people of Michigan. For Pete's brother, also in Michigan, Grand Rapids, who is an LPN in a senior's home, where seven patients and seven staff have contracted COVID. We have gratitude that no one has died, but have great concern for all the vulnerable people at that facility and in our communities around the world. We continue to hold Pastor Megan in our prayers in the leadership of our congregation and the grief that she carries with John at the loss of their Aunt Dort. We pray that this past week of taking space from work has been restorative and healing. We continue to pray for Vern Willis for strength and healing as he receives treatment for cancer. We also pray with Sarah Augustine as she anticipates surgery in June to correct a painful neurological condition. Hold her in body and spirit in her stay at Swedish Cherry Hill from June 16 to 20. May this surgery be the healing solution that she has been seeking. We also celebrate with Jonathan and Melanie, myself, this week as we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. We are grateful for your presence with us in times of stress and times of joy. Give us relief and relaxation as we anticipate a break from work this week. Now turning to the chat. For Robin and Mike, who are also celebrating 33 years of marriage today, happy anniversary. Prayers for your ongoing love for each other. Thanks be to God. God, we pray for those that are experiencing a hard time with their mental illness, their mental health, that there would be relief from depression, anxiety, and stress. With Sarah Oyer, we pray for Ben's friend, Jonathan, whose father is terminally ill. We pray for Jonathan's family. Prayers for safe travel and mercy during the transition. This is with Ken, Crable, and Beth. For Daphne, Ryan, Maya, Eden, Hol Hollinger, Fowler, who are on an evacuation flight from Nepal. They have served three years in MCC. After months of lockdown, they've had little time to say goodbye or prepare. 
for all those who experience addiction and as they attempt to navigate this time. Solace for Sabrina's husband, sorry, Sabrina's sister's husband, Donnie, who lost his job of 30 years this week in Michigan and who just lost his mother three weeks ago. With Jean Sloniker for this period of isolation, specifically for her cousin who has lost her son to addiction. We celebrate with Carl's dad who, turn, who is turning 87 today and is having a surprise family Zoom call this afternoon. We celebrate too with Michael Bade and Lisa who are celebrating 40 years of marriage this week. With Lauren Good and Jennifer, we're thankful for their son, Adam, and his graduation from college. With Jean Sloniker, thanks be to God for technology. To keep a dear one who went home to Fiji many years ago, that we were reconnected again yesterday. We did also get a call from Nico this week and we're glad he is safe and sound. Thanksgiving for Rebecca and Adam's friend who got a desperately needed job this week and for her mom who is sick with COVID in the Philippines. Let us also pray for Maxine Nord. We pray in her isolation that she may find companionship and others that are willing to visit her and love her via phone and other ways of communication. Thanks be to God for all of these prayers, both spoken and silently prayed. May the spirit of God who goes before us, who follows at our back, who breathes within each of our bodies and who dwells in the body of the church, be our comfort and our companion. In the name of the risen Jesus, we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. We are grateful this Sunday and always for the gifts that each of you offer to our con congregation. And we ask God to bless the offerings that we give digitally, that we send through the mail. We are grateful for the work that these gifts continue to do in supporting the ministries of our congregation. We're going to close with something special from Michael. So this is a song by uh, Chuck Newfeld, who's a friend of mine, um, gosh, I met many, many years ago um, in a group that, of musicians that get together, still get together um, every year called Reunion Vocal Band. It played at SMC one time, I don't know how long ago, it's been maybe 20 years, I don't know. 
um, but he wrote this song quite a while ago and it's 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 just one of these songs that I keep coming back to and um, Joanne actually emailed me this week and said she was singing it popped into her head and would I lead today so I thought it'd be a nice song to lead especially during this time of the the virus and uncertainty um, I'm going to sing the chorus once so you can kind of get that in your head and then I'm going to sing the verses and the choruses and you just sing with me as much as you want to so the, the chorus goes like this when this time has come to an end sing a song of joy we have seen enough sadness in life give us hope to the end give us hope to the end it's too bad you can't hear all the uh, harmonies that go along with this but we'll just have to do it this way oh i've lived my life filled with the hope of a change that i have yet to see just a little change in the way that we live just a little change in the way that we think because when this time has come to an end sing a song of joy we have seen enough sadness in life give us hope to the end give us hope to the end well, i was longing for peace prayed myself sick for the people touched by our hands they've been caught in our dream for money and might without power and out of sight sing it with me now when this time has come to an end sing a song of joy we have seen enough sadness in life give us hope to the end give us hope to the end and still there is something that makes my heart laugh it's the good things i see in your soul won't you reach deep within it's for you to choose and throw all your fears aside when this time has come to an end sing a song of joy we have seen enough sadness in life give us hope to the end give us hope to the end one more time when this time has come to an end sing a song of joy we have seen enough sadness in life give us hope to the end give us hope to the end
Well, I was singing harmony over here by myself anyway. That was lovely. I offer you this benediction as we close our time of worship. As we see each other through our screens, it may seem as if we are disembodied. But may we log out and sign off knowing that in fact, our very bodies are receptacles of the divine. May we stand up from our seats and stretch our bodies and wiggle our toes and blink and rub our eyes with the awareness that these flesh suits that we are wearing, our bodies are God bods. They belong to God. You belong to God. And that in itself is a victory. Amen. And amen. You may go or you may stay in peace.